From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Best-selling author Carl Gallops is here for the full two hours. With the third in his Gods trilogy, first we had Gods and Thrones, and then the Gods of Ground Zero, and now comes Gods of the Final Kingdom. And if I'm not mistaken, it is now available on, on Amazon as of today, or maybe yesterday, but uh, hot off the presses, as we say. Uh, we are going to dive deep into the cosmic mysteries of the Bible, including hyperdimensions, time travel, yes, time travel, quantum physics, the battle of good versus evil, and the cosmic war between Satan and humankind. And we'll even touch, uh, believe it or not, on the Large Hadron Collider, CERN, in Switzerland, and another one in China. Did you know there's another one in China? How do these fit into the cosmic war. So, sit back and enjoy the discussion for the first hour, and then we will make the phone lines available to you in hour two for questions and comments. My technical producer is Owen Wolf, and my live stream producer is Ryan White. And we are live streaming tonight, including video. So get on up to my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, uh, please subscribe if you haven't already done so. All right, strap yourself in and get ready. This promises to be quite a ride. And Carl's latest book, as I mentioned, is Gods of the Final Kingdom. Now get this subtitle. Unveiling the secrets of the raging celestial war that ultimately results in the restitution of all things brought to life in the theater of your mind and soul. I can't wait. I'm going to dispense with my usual preamble and programming notes. Let's get right to this. Carl Gallops has been a senior pastor on the Northwest Florida Gulf Coast since 1987. He's a critically acclaimed Amazon Top 60 best-selling author, a longtime Gulf Coast talk radio host, Freedom Fridays. You can check it out on 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. He serves on the board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Alabama, and he's a former decorated Florida law enforcement officer, a graduate of the Florida State University, Florida Police Training Academy, and the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He opened the Donald Trump campaign rally for president in Pensacola, Florida, back in January of 2016. He's been deputized as a special deputy by Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Back in 2016, he's the author of a number of Amazon bestsellers, including The Magic Man in the Sky, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, When the Lion Roars, Be There, Be Thou Prepared, Final Warning, and as I mentioned, the trilogy, Gods and Thrones, Gods of Ground Zero, and his latest, Gods of the Final Kingdom, Carl Gallops. How are you, my friend? Welcome to The Conspiracy Show once again. Richard Serrett, my dear friend, thank you so much for having me on. What an honor to be with you and your amazing audience. God bless you, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. It's always a delight. So uh, this is the third. Is this the final? Is, is this the third and final installment of the Gods trilogy? 
I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I didn't set out to force a trilogy. It's just that I've been preaching and teaching and researching for so long, decades and decades, 35 years in ministry, 33 years in one church. This stuff just had to get out of my mind and out of my soul and onto paper. And so I wrote the first book, Gods and Thrones, and, and then just, you know, people loved it, and I kept getting more questions. Go deeper, go deeper. So I went even deeper with Gods of Ground Zero, and then people had more questions. Go deeper, go deeper. So I wrote Gods of Final Kingdom. So, yeah, it's kind of a trilogy, but I do want to emphasize to your audience that they don't have to read the books in any particular order. And they are nonfiction books. I mean, they are, there's a lot of illustrations and creative writing to, to bring the reader into it, like, like this subtitle says, in the theater of the mind. I love preaching and teaching in a way that helps people to see things in their head. Uh, I, I have people read my books and say, it's like watching a movie when I'm reading this book. So I pray so. But, so I'm just telling, telling your audience that you can pick up any one of these books you want in any order. So if you've never heard of them before, and now you're hearing this one, go ahead and get it. Read it. They stand alone. But I do urge your audience that if you will read all three of them, you will, by the time you're finished with those three books, you will have a much clearer vision than you've ever had of the connecting, contextual connection from Genesis to Revelation. And it'll be like a miniature seminary education. And I say that with all humility. I don't mean I'm such a great writer. I'm just talking about the depth of these topics that the Bible speaks of that you rarely hear preached in pulpits uh, or in, in Bible study classes or Sunday school classes. Yet the classic commentators, Richard, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, as well as modern-day scholars, they are seeing these very same things, or they have seen for those in the past. And, and, and the modern guys, I mean, they're seeing the same things I'm seeing, and they're beginning to make these connections, but yet scholars from 100, 150 years ago saw this stuff, they wrote about it prolifically, but it just didn't make its way into the fluffy, uh, shiny, soft preaching and, and, and that's in most American churches and North American churches and pulpits. So I'm just wanting people to know the real crux and the heart and the heartbeat, the pulse of God's Word, and, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. I want to wake people up to the times we're living in and what the Word of God says about it, Richard. And we'll get into certainly, you know, the, 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 the cosmic war, the battle of good versus evil and Satan's war against humankind. But one of the big takeaways for me, aside from that, which of course is central to the, to the book, but is, uh, I mean, I, I, in the preamble or in the introduction, I talked about how we're going to get into, uh, the existence of, of hyperdimensions. We're going to talk about quantum physics. I mean, you quote Michio Kaku in this book. This is far-reaching. We're going to talk about time travel. We're going to talk about this is the, the interesting another interesting aspect. We're going to actually work uh, the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland into the discussion, and people are sitting yeah. back and saying, "Wait a minute, where are you going with all of this?" Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and and please, I want your audience to know this is not. Fiction, it's not science fiction. This is scientific truth and biblical truth, and it's contextual, backed up by tons of word research and scholars that have seen it for ages. So I think we're going to have fun tonight. I just want your audience to know I'm not pulling this stuff out of my back pocket, and it's not stuff I've invented in my head to be sensational. This is the stuff of the Word of God that so many people have missed. 
Much of your audience probably will be familiar with some of this, but I, but I hope that everybody that listens tonight will will learn or hear something that they will say, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. I didn't know that. I didn't see that, but there it is. And, and, I, and I'm, that's what I'm hoping and praying that a lot of your audience, that's the kind of experience they'll have tonight. Well, let's talk about realms that are literally, you know, right in front of our nose, but we're not aware of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and this, you know, this in a way it goes back to the Garden of Eden because there wasn't, you know, once upon a time there was no division. It was, right. uh, you know, God was walking amongst us and the angels and so forth. And then, of course, after the fall, there was this, this division, this separation between us yeah. and God. But yeah. you, you begin the book with a, a, a an amazing, uh, compelling firsthand angel story, an angelic encounter. And, yeah. and, and tell me about that because that talks, that speaks to how sometimes we, that, that veil momentarily disappears. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I spend, in all of my chapters, the pages are only about five pages each and they're easy to read, but I spend the first four or five chapters unpacking that story, so I'll give a very brief synopsis and your folks can get the book and read all the details, but I can whet their appetite for it. Yeah, listen, as I said, I've been in the ministry now for, for over three decades, and, and I've had two or three really huge supernatural uh, uh, experiences. Um, and one of them I start this book with, you just referred to it, um, an angelic encounter, an angelic appearance. Now listen, I, I don't say this lightly, I don't take it lightly. I start the book by saying, I don't remember exactly my exact words, I don't have it in front of me, but I... I try to be very humble about this, Richard, because I am not a sensationalist. You know, I, I don't just sit around looking for things to just, you know, to tweak people. I, I, I just deal with black and white. I was a cop. I, I did criminal investigations and deputy sheriff and patrol officer in two different sheriff's offices, three different sheriffs for, for years. And so I think in black and white. I think in show me the evidence. I mean, give me the, the stuff. Give me the forensics. I don't want to speculate on things. So, so I hesitated to put this real life thing that happened to me in this book except for the fact that it was it, it was semi witnessed by so many people let me explain uh and and again i unpack it in detail in the book but the bottom line this goes back some 20 years ago in my ministry had a real traumatic occurrence in our church uh, again they can read the book to get the details there um we had to 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 really work through some tough things it was no fault of our church it was no fault of any staff in our church but we had some uh, some really vicious attack leveled against our church, and we needed to deal with it. The church that I pastor, I'm still pastoring that church. I've pastored it for 33 straight years. Uh, but it got really bad. It got really nasty. And back in those days, the community that I'm in now, that I was in then, the same community, was much smaller than it is now. I think it was like 30,000 people in the whole county back then. Now there's several hundred thousand people, so it's grown a lot. But 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 back then it was small. And so when all of this stuff blew up in and around our church, and I was dealing with it in the, in the most solid biblical way that I could, I was surrounded by good, what you, if you call them elders, deacons, people that surrounded me with my pastoral staff, trying to work through this, trying to protect the innocent, because there were innocent people that got sucked up in this nastiness, as well as dealing with the guilty, the ones that just wouldn't get it right, the ones that wouldn't repent, the ones that were determined they were going to just uh, cover it up, trash me, run me out of town so they could just stay involved in their darkness. 
And so we began to deal with it. And, and anyway, ultimately, we finally dealt with it. We dealt with the situation. We actually had to vote a, a, a family out of the church. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done. We gave them every opportunity to, behind closed doors to sweetly make this right in the way that the Word of God prescribes, in the way that Jesus Christ himself prescribes in Matthew 16. But they just wouldn't do it. So it just came down to either you know them or me. And it, it, was, it was a horrible thing. So bottom line is, so after it's over, there was a heaviness that lifted from our church, and, and I felt good about that. I knew we had done the right thing, um, and I was second-guessing myself, you know, like, could I have done this better? Could I, should I have said this? Should I have given them one more chance? So I was really a little discouraged, even though I knew that, that the right thing had been done, and I didn't know where to go with it. So bottom line, I relate this story, and this is this is astounding. Your your audience, I think, is going to be pretty astounded by the time I finish this. So I go to our local hospital back then to visit. I'm just getting on with my pastoral ministry, and uh, I'm standing at the elevators. There's only four floors in this hospital back then. Um, much bigger area, much bigger hospitals now, but 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 again, 25, 30 years ago, and. And I'm standing in front of the elevators, and I see that it's on the fourth floor, the very top, and it's on its way down because I've punched it. I, I need to go up to the fourth floor. Well, when the elevator doors open, and, and really this, this whole thing we had just gone through was only about a week old, and so I'm still really reeling from it. It's always on my mind. I'm praying, you know, Lord, did I do the right thing? I, I don't know. I mean, good gracious, this is so bad. And the door opens, and there's a gentleman standing on the elevator, uh, I was much younger then than I am now, and he was older than me, but but uh, very debonair, you know, just dressed nicely, had an aura about him that was so peaceful. I mean, he almost looked grandfatherly, but but just dressed sharply and had a pleasant smile. He says, uh, you know, and I'm expecting him to get off the elevator because obviously he'd come down. And I'm thinking, well, you're at the bottom floor, so you're going to get off. So I step aside. and But he just looks at me and says, what, what floor? He said, get, get on. What floor? And I thought, well, maybe he's changed his mind. So I got on. I, I said, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. I said, fourth floor. He said, okay. Door shut. He pushed the fourth floor. He looks at me, and he says, you're Pastor Carl Gallops, aren't you? And I said, oh, well, yeah. I said, have, have we met before? And and this is before I was ever in media. I wasn't on radio. I didn't have my radio program. I wasn't on TV like I am now. And wasn't writing books. And just you know, the pastors in the local area, we knew each other, and all, we all knew each other. I'd never seen this guy in my life. And and I said, yeah, have we met before somewhere? And he says, oh no. And his words to me, Richard, were, you don't know me. We've never met, but I know all about you. I mean, he literally said that. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I, I was a little little um you, you know disconcerted what do you mean that's a little uh, a little presumptuous to say you know all about me this is before the days of social media and, and and pervasive internet you know so so he said that and then he said but i'm a i'm a fellow minister with you here in this community now for for your listeners that know anything about the word of god several times angels are called quote fellow ministers with us and it didn't really hit me on the elevator, but the, I, th I think he dropped that hint because he said, I'm a fellow minister with you. And I said, okay, uh, I thought he meant like a pastor. And I was just getting ready to say, what church do you pastor? When he said to me, listen, he said, uh, I know you've been through some horrible, horribly tough times at your church. 
And then I thought, well, now this is getting interesting, although a lot of the community knows. You know, I wonder what he knows. I wonder if he's related to some of those families. I mean, all this was going through my mind. And then he said, he said, listen, our Heavenly Father has sent me to tell you, you've done the right thing to just calm down. Because, see, I was thinking about quitting. I mean, I literally was thinking about quitting the ministry. My wife and I had had some serious talks and prayers about it because the attacks were so vicious and the whole situation right. and he was... And he related details to you about that case that nobody outside your family knew. Yes, that's the next thing I was getting ready to say, Richard. You're right. And thank you for reading the book. God bless you, brother. <laughs> but but no, no, so so he he says that, and I'm thinking... This guy is so presumptuous to tell me he's speaking on behalf of the of the God of the universe to bring me a message. But at the same time, I was so comforted by it. I was comforted by his presence. I, I, I almost just didn't even want to leave the elevator. He was so nice. We got to the fourth floor. The doors opened, and I punched the hold button. And he said to me, and by the way, he said, let me tell you what you were dealing with. And brother, like you just said, he begins to relate details about the inside stuff that happened. Stuff, most of it my deacons and pastors knew because I had related it to them so that they could help me resolve it. But there was one detail in particular that was very nasty, very hurtful, very powerfully profound. It had a grip on my wife and I during this situation, and only my wife and I knew it. Only the two of us knew about this, and he described it in detail, even attached a name to it. I'm not at liberty. I didn't put it in the book, and I explained this in the book better than I'm explaining it here, But and I can't do it over, over this broadcast, of course, but he attached a name to it. And he said, this was the spirit of, and he said it, and he said it was designed to entrap you, to have power over you, and to destroy you. But you walked right through the trap, and our Heavenly Father wanted me to tell you he is proud of you, and that you have done well, and that he is going to bless you for it, and for you to stay in the ministry. And I'm thinking, how did you know I was going to quit? How did you know this situation? How did you know these details? I was dumbfounded. And and I know now, and I say this in the book, I should have asked him a million questions, but... Yeah, right I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And see, I was an investigator for years and a cop. I mean, I know how to do that. But my mind just froze. It was like he knew it. And he just kind of smiled at me. And he stuck out his hand. I shook his hand. And, and then he said, well, listen, I've got somebody to see. He said, um, I'll see you around. And I said, uh, okay. And he, and he turned and he, and he got off the elevator and he turned to the right. I want your audience to visualize this. And then right around the elevator bank, there was a hall that went through some double wooden doors down into the rehab unit of the hospital. I went straight ahead out of the doors. Right, the nurses' station is right there. They could see everybody getting on and off the elevators. So I went straight to the nurses' station. I'm still very shaken by what's just happened, but I'm still feeling peaceful about it. I mean, when I say shaken, I mean, how could he know these things? Who is this guy? Why does he know all of this stuff about me and stuff only my wife and I know, but I don't know him? I've never seen him before. And why did I feel so peaceful around him? Why did I feel like he had just ministered to me? How did he know that I was going to quit? 
And, and and so I walked to the nurse's station and I asked the room for the patient I was going to see. They gave it to me. I walked down the hall to the left. Okay, so he's gone to the right through these double wooden doors to the uh, to the uh, rehab center. So Carl, I, I got to jump, okay, jump in here. I got to jump in. Just stand by. We'll uh, pick this up on the other side. Carl Gallup's angelic encounter as we discuss gods of the final kingdom right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Listening to the Conspiracy Show. Welcome back. Carl Gallups is here, best-selling author, longtime senior pastor, and the author of Gods of the Final Kingdom. And before the break, we were talking about this angelic encounter. Of this um, this man you got on an elevator. He seemed to know a lot, an awful lot, about a particular chapter in your your life and your ministry. And yeah. things that only you and a few other people knew. Yeah. And uh, so he rides up to the fourth floor with you in the hospital, gets off, turns right, you go left, uh, and then you yeah. come back to the nurse's station to yeah. pick it up from there, Carl. Yeah, and this is really the punchline of the whole thing. And I'm, I'm sorry it took so long to get here. It's worth it. Okay, good. Yeah, if I had just gone straight to the punchline, people said, oh, yeah, really true. But to hear the whole under the foundation, I think, will help a lot because this is powerful. It's changed my life forever. It changed my ministry forever. But the bottom line is, yes, I come back to the nurse's station, and I stopped. Then I was determined, I've got to talk to this guy. I've got to ask him more questions. Just who is he? What church does he pastor? Where is he from? How could he know that detail? I'm telling you, Richard, I wish I could share with your audience. I finally did share this detail with my closest staff and my deacons. They were blown away. They said, that is impossible. That is absolutely impossible. He could not have known that. And I, I said, I know. And not only that, but he understood the intricate details of how that detail fit into this whole scenario. I, 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 so, so I walked back to the nurse's station, and I asked him, I said, excuse me. And I, and I knew both of the young ladies back then. Um, uh, we were all much younger back then. They've since retired, but I remember them. And, and, and they knew me. And so I asked them. I called them by name, and I said, look, you know, a minute ago when I got off the elevator, I was on there with obviously a pastor in the community, and I said he, he he went into the rehab unit there. Do you guys you saw him there? Do you do you know who he is? Do you know what church he pastors? Do you know anything about him? Has he come out? I mean, is he still in there? I mean, well, what do you know? Help me! I need to talk to him, brother. They looked at me like I had lost my mind, and one of the girls spoke up and said, "Pastor Carl." nobody was on the elevator with you when you got off. I said, wait a minute. I said, I stood there and talked to him with the door open. You looked at me. I'm, I'm right there in front of you. We acknowledged each other. And she said, Carl, I'm telling you, you were on there by yourself. Nobody was on there. She said, nobody has gone through those doors. And nobody has They watched out. you get off on yes. your, by yourself. Yes. yes. And, and, brother, I don't even remember what I said, Richard. I was just so freaked out now that I, I, I you know, again, ex-cop, black and white, forensics. I know what I saw. I know what I heard. I know what I know. And, and I'm not going crazy. I've never had anything like that before, never had anything like that since. And, I, it, and, I, and, and so 
I just left the nurse's station. I went right through the double doors. I went down the halls of the rehab unit. It was a small hospital then. There were only about 15 rooms. And I'm looking in the rooms. Most of them were unoccupied. The four or five that were, I just kind of popped my head in. I didn't hear or see anybody like him in there. I went down to that nurse's station. I inquired about the guy, described him in detail. They said, Nobody fitting that description has come in here. As a matter of fact, in the last 30 minutes, there have been no visitors in this unit. And she said, you're welcome to go look. I said, well, I've already looked. She said, well, on your way out, just stick your head. You're a pastor. Just stick your head in the doors and look again. And I did. There was nobody there. I went back to the front nurse's station, and they said, we're we're serious, Carl. We're not pulling your leg. Nobody was on the elevator with you. I said, okay, thank you. And I got on the elevator, and I'm thinking, they think I've lost my mind. I, I went down, I, I went home, I told my wife everything, and she just looked at me matter-of-factly, and she said, you've had an angelic visitation. She said, this this one was from the throne of God. He told you things that nobody else knew. And what was his word to you? That the Father is happy with how you handle it. Calm down, don't quit, keep going. And then he even told you something to prove who he was. He told you something that only you and I knew. And she said, this was an angelic visitation if there ever was one. And I'm telling you, Richard, I start the book with that, and I tell it much better than I'm telling it here in the book, because, you know, you can edit it and go back through and everything. But but I'm telling you, Richard, it 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 took me several more days for it to finally hit me what had happened to me. And then I went and read all those scriptures about angels and entertaining strangers. Be careful how you entertain strangers, lest, lest you're entertaining an angel. Um, how the angelic beings can present themselves and often do as human beings. Um, right. and, 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 and that they give hints. They don't glorify themselves, but they give hints as to who they are so that you know. And if, I mean, it met every biblical requirement. I went and really searched this. I wanted to make sure I hadn't seen a demon or something, you know. But but it was everything was lovely and peaceful. He spoke truth. He spoke with the heavenly Father. Never spoke of himself other than to just say, "I'm a fellow minister with you." His whole heart was directed towards my heart. And I'm telling you, I've had other experiences, and I don't have time to share them now. But I shared that one in that book because I wanted you and your audience and the readers to know. The Word of God is true on these things, man. I mean, again, I go back to my cop experience and all my years in the ministry. These things, two or three things like that have happened to me, but only over 30 or 40 years. It's not an everyday thing. I don't walk around right. looking you, for it. You're very careful to point out you don't, you don't, you're not constantly walking around summoning angels into your life That's because, right. as you say, that can leave you very, I mean, this is an awesome power we're talking about. It can leave you yeah. spiritually vulnerable. It's not something that you trifle with. You don't yeah. ask them to come into your life, but, and, 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 it, and it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't happen often, but it illustrates the point that this dimension, this angelic realm, if you will, yeah. is really literally right in front of our nose, yeah. but we can't perceive it until they decide. So yeah. I, I wanted to talk about and, and segue into multiple dimensions and, and because that is central uh, to this book and you, 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 you have a wonderful demonstration of this. It really illustrates how, how multiple dimensions can exist in front of us. Yes. You use the analogy of a fish tank yes, and a, and a, and a, a fish, uh, whose name is, uh, something red. Right? Yes. It's a goldfish. Yeah, I just gave him a name, Eddie Red, yeah. That was a, Eddie Red. That was a name yes. my grandson gave his goldfish many years ago, so it just popped in my mind, yeah. <laughs> he called him Eddie Red. I don't know where he got the name, but it was funny. I thought it would fit well in the book. But you want me to kind of relate that? 
Yeah, just uh, give us sort of the truncated version. We've got about, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six minutes here before we head into yeah. the next break. So let's see yeah, if we I can uh, get this one done. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. Well, I just use the illustration of, look, uh, imagine a fish tank. And I'm not talking about a fishbowl. I'm talking about, let's say, in a millionaire's mansion. And, and all, one side of the wall is just one of these exotic, huge tanks and all of these fish in it. Now, to the fish that are in there, that's their world. That's their universe. I mean, they can see through the glass dimly, which is what the Scripture says we do. Uh, they can tell that something is out there, but they don't really know what. And even if they think they know, they can't comprehend human life and the world on the outside, etc. But in the meantime, I, just, I, I go through that scenario in the book about their world, their life, and then I say, imagine if one day a hand reaches into that and pulls one out. And let's say that hand, is, of course, is attached to a human. And let's say that human, for the sake of this illustration, had the power to turn that fish, to transform that fish into a glorified body, if you will, to transform it into a human being. And if that fish then is standing in beside the fish tank and he has this revelation, all of a sudden he can speak our language, all of a sudden he understands everything perfectly. He looks around the room, he says, oh my gosh, that fish tank, I thought that was my whole world, but it's just a part of a greater reality, and I have come out of it. Now I'm in something that's even more real, if you will. I feel more alive than I've ever felt. I have more faculties about me, more sensations than I ever had as a fish. And I look in there, and then he looks around the room, and the, and, the, and, and let's say the owner of the mansion, and maybe a few family members are there, and they're kind of laughing, welcoming him there to that existence. And then they say, oh, but wait, we've got stuff to show you. So they open another door to the room. Let's call it a portal. And he opens it, and, and he sees the rest of the mansion, an upstairs, a downstairs, a huge living room, a sunken living room. He, you know, he sees all of these rooms and doors. He goes into each door and each room, and if you will, he's going through portals into other dimensions, and he's looking at all of these amazing things, and he thinks, oh my gosh, this is, this is, I can't even imagine. I never knew this existed. There's no way I could have even dreamed this. And then they say, oh, but wait a minute, it gets better. He said, how can it get better? They take him to the front door. They open the front door, and he sees the world. He sees the birds and the trees and the grass and the flowers. He sees cars going by and children. He sees bicycles, and, you know, he hears the sounds of life, and he's just overwhelmed, and they take him out, well, to speed the story up. They put him in a car. They take him down the interstate. He sees all of that. They put him in an airplane. They fly him over the earth. He sees that. They take a submarine ride. They go under the oceans. He sees that. They go on a big, you know, uh, uh, cruise ship. He goes across the oceans. He sees all of that. Then he begins to discover that there are seven billion other human beings on the planet. And he gets so far away from that fish tank, it's like it doesn't even exist. It's way back there in that mansion in that room. Then they put him on a space shuttle, and he goes out into space. And then they let him look through a telescope, and he sees the universe. And then they let him look through a microscope. And he sees the, uh, the, the, the subatomic particles of, of the quantum mechanics that govern the universe. And he just, he is overwhelmed with dimension after dimension after dimension. And watch this. They are all physical. They are real. They, 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 most of it is intelligent. Um, it's, most of it is flesh and blood, different than the fish, but the fish have flesh. Right. Fish have blood. The fish are real, but now he has flesh. He has blood. He's real. By the way, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15. He uses almost this very same illustration. The point being, we are like the goldfish. We are real. Our life is important. 
the goldfish tank we're living in is important so much that God sent his son to die for us so that we could come into the mansion with him. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. And he says, and, and, but yet, yet, just as a goldfish could never comprehend the vastness of what surrounds him and what has been around him all along, but he couldn't see it, he couldn't experience it, so therefore he did not believe it even existed. Yet it did, it does, it always has, it always will, whether the goldfish understands it or not. Brother, we're the all goldfish. All right, Carl. And, and the we are the goldfish. goldfish. <laughs> we'll uh, take a quick time out, come back. Carl Gallops, Gods of the Final Kingdom, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. This is a a, <laughs> a book with, well, it just delves into so many different areas. We're talking about cosmic mysteries of the Bible, but we're also, as you'll discover, going to get into quantum, uh, quantum mechanics, uh, particle entanglement, uh, the Large Hadron Collider, multiple dimensions, hyperdimensions, time travel, the cosmic war. It all will come together, and it all comes together nicely in Gods of the Final Kingdom. Uh, Carl Gallup's my guest, senior pastor at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, longtime talk show host, Freedom Fridays on the Gulf, Course, uh, Gulf Coast in Florida as well. We'll tell you how to listen to that. Uh, this is a short segment, Carl. It's about six minutes, but let's just talk briefly. As we're talking about this analogy of the, of the fish that becomes human, now he's standing outside of the tank, inside a mansion. He's looking into the, the fish tank. Uh, he's visiting the different rooms in the mansion. He goes outside. He visits, you know, he flies 30,000 feet in the air. He, he travels under the oceans. He realizes that there are other dimensions. Let's talk about the evidence, scientific proof, really, that other dimensions exist. Now, we're all familiar with the three dimensions and the fourth, if you consider time. How many dimensions are there, according to theoretical physicists, and how can we prove their existence? Well, I don't pretend like I am a theoretical physicist, but I do you know, like to read the, uh, a lot about it, and so I understand enough to speak intelligently. And then, of course, in the book, I can reference, you know, uh, experts who do know what they're talking about, and their articles are amazing. But I did sleep in a Holiday Inn last night, so I should be able to do this. Anyway, <laughs> a little attempt at a joke there. Um, so, But anyway, so here's the deal, Richard. The thing is, the Word of God is clear. It starts off by, and I'm going to get exactly to the quantum physics, but it starts off by telling us, look, there's the throne of God. There was the Garden of Eden. Now it's sealed off. Now there's the fallen realm. But there's also what the Bible says is paradise. That Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be, you will be with me in paradise. There's hell or prison or the holding place. Jesus talked about the rich man that died and went to hell. And there he was physical. He was real. He was alive. He was in a dimension. He could look across a chasm into another dimension in paradise where Lazarus was. And, and, and so Jesus speaks about all of that. So we also know there's a coming kingdom of God. There's a new Jerusalem that's coming, if you will, is how the Word of God describes 
characterize it. There's a new age for the earth, a biblical new age, if you will, that's coming. So all of these dimensions, the Bible speaks of the sky in the last days, the heavens being rolled up like a scroll, the stars falling, the elements disappearing, and a brand new creation, everything made new. There's another. So there's five or six or seven dimensions of reality that the Word of God just insist that we believe it doesn't explain them it doesn't say now look you need to believe this because here's why here's the evidence here's why it just starts off telling us and then of course there's the angelic realm that comes through veils and portals and into our existence and out again there's the demonic realm that comes in and out from time to time the bible is clear about that and so so yes and so what does science say about all this well uh, you know, theoretical uh, physicists are are clear that that they believe there's evidence now to state rather emphatically, statistically accurately, that there are absolutely multiple dimensions of reality and perhaps even multiple universes. And you know, the multiverse theory and 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 you know, some of these top top physicists of 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 our life. Lifetime, they're writing and researching and 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 giving lectures on this and teaching and talking about. You know, there may be ten or eleven universes, or maybe more uh, universes, my friend. Not just dimensions, but entire right. areas of of universal existence. I think you even mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, the number 103 possible dimensions comes up. And um, I may have that wrong, but that number jumped out at me. I go, wait a minute. I've heard 10, maybe 12, 103. But as evidence, they talk about, and you reference this, people like Michio Kaku and other physicists, they reference how they can now demonstrate where a proton, subatomic particles can exist in more than one place at a time, which means that we can exist in more than one place at a time. Yeah, well, I mean, if you carry it out to its nth degree, yes, it would mean that. Now, the physicists are very quick to admit that we've never been able to transport something any larger than a proton from one place to another or, or be in one or two places at one time. Uh, but, but doing it with these particles, uh, they have proven that it, that it does happen, that it can exist, the stuff of matter the the particles the stuff that creates atoms that creates molecules that creates matter can be transported in multiple places at once and so the word of god tells us that people could be in multiple places at one time well like the apostle paul he speaks he said look i i know a man that was caught up to paradise he's talking about himself and then he and then he speaks of uh, uh, third heaven. He says, "Whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know." In other words, he's saying. And a lot of the scholars they they parse those words in the language to say he's talking about that he was in one place, yet he was consciously aware and physically aware that he was also at the same time in another place. And it sounds yeah. suspiciously like particle entanglement, and we'll pick that up on the other side, Carl. Okay. Carl Gallops, Gods of the Final Kingdom, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? 
This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. And I am coming to you live from my little studio beneath the stairs. We're doing it from the home studio tonight back in Liberty Village. Owen Wolf is on the big audio board twisting the knobs and dials. And Ryan White is my live stream producer. We are streaming live on YouTube on the uh, YouTube channel, and that is Strange Planet. So if you want to watch the radio program, get on up there, Strange Planet, on the YouTube channel. And uh, don't forget to hit that red sub button. I think we're around 16,500 subscribers. We would like to get to 20,000. So if you can help us out, please do so. Carl Gallops is uh, with us, a talk show host, senior pastor at uh, Hickory Hammock Baptist Church, former law enforcement official in the state of Florida, and uh, also... A, a best-selling author, his latest, the third in his God's trilogy is Gods of the Final Kingdom. And we are talking about, right now we're talking about um, scientific evidence for multiple dimensions, uh, which could include an angelic realm, a demonic realm, paradise, the garden. So all of these are referenced in the Bible, of course. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, St. Paul, and uh, he talked about you know, being in the throne room, but also being in his body, which tends to suggest, you know, this idea that we can exist in more than one place at the, at the same time. Scientists say, yes, protons behave very oddly. They do seem to exist in more than one place at one time. And then we have this thing called particle entanglement, where if you have two electrons, now help me walk, walk me through this. If you have two electrons, and if you vibrate one, the other will vibrate, right? If they're yeah. even if they're not in close proximity, one could be across the galaxy. And if you vibrate one, that one across the galaxy will also vibrate. Correct. That's that's particle entanglement. Correct. That's correct, and that is an absolutely proven scientific fact of of physics. And yes, your audience that's listening that knows quantum physics uh, more than I uh, can attest to that. Yes, that's absolutely right. Particle entanglement. Yeah. And, and so, you know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, even if it's not even across the galaxy, it could be in another universe. And they would vibrate at exactly the same time, faster than the speed of light. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, that's right. Because of what we already know, we can, we can certainly, uh, make that scientific, uh, uh, assumption. And, and, you know, and the thing about it is, so I use the illustration of Paul, but John on the island of Patmos is another one. He's on the island of Patmos. He said, and so I was here, and on the Lord's day, I heard a voice behind me saying, come up here. And then the next thing you know, he's in the throne room of God. But here's the thing. He didn't leave the island of Patmos. There was no big search for him. He didn't disappear. They didn't think he had escaped. He was there. But yet he was in the throne room of God and received the entire revelation, which so much of it is coming to pass in our own day. We're right in the edges of it right now. And so, but, but, so there's another example. Listen, the Bible is filled with examples of portals. I mean, let's just break it down like this. As simple as this, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes unto the Father but by me. Then he goes on to say, I am the door. I am the gate. Nobody gets into the dimension, if you will, of heaven but by me. In other words, Jesus, if he, if he would use modern vernacular, saying, look, I'm the portal. Yet between this dimension of this fallen realm, this fish tank you're in now, that's getting dirtier and dirtier, and it's getting ready to be made new, 
everything's getting ready to be made new. But in the meantime, I am the door, I am the portal to another dimension. It's called paradise. And by the way, that word paradise, and you and I have talked about this before on your show, in the New Testament there's only three times where that word is used. And it's translated in the Hebrew to English, uh, or, the, or from the Greek to Hebrew New Testament. It's translated, I, um, Jesus said, today you will be with me to the thief. He said, today you will be with me in Gan Eden. That's paradise. The Hebrew words, two words, Gan Eden, Garden of Eden. Paradise is speaking of the, rest, of, of the Garden of Eden, which has always been there, but been, has been cut off by a dimensional divide, and there is a portal that you enter to go through, and that portal is Jesus Christ, and according to the Scriptures and His blood. That's why the Bible, though I'm telling you, the Bible is filled with understandings of multiple dimensions, portals. Jesus says He holds the keys to death and hell. Well, what are those? Other dimensions. Why do you need keys? Well, it's symbolic, but it means He's the portal. He's the master of the way to go from one to the other. Um, the Bible speaks of a separation, Satan in the last days, and his angels and his messengers thrown into the lake of fire, where they will be eternally separated from everything else. What is it? It's a dimensional separation. That, that, that n there is no portal. There is a chasm between the two, if you will. And it cannot be crossed. It is as though he never existed, because he's now in a dimensional, maybe a, a different universe, 103 universes away. Who knows? But the Word of God just says these things, Richard. And, and we miss so much of it. You very seldom hear any of this preached or taught, this understanding of, of what now science is now verifying for those that need science. All I need is the Word, but, I mean, it's, it's cool to see that science verifies multiple dimensions, multiple universes, portals. That's what the whole CERN-Hedron Collider is about. It's about looking for portals and multiple dimensions, right. and they I do want to. We get, we'll get into uh, the Hadron yeah. Collider in hour two. I definitely want to approach yeah. that because that's uh, fascinating. Uh, but I, just coming back to particle entanglement for a minute, and the idea of of an electron or a proton vibrating in in this dimension, let's say, and then across the universe, uh, it's it's twin, I guess, also vibrating at exactly the same rate. At exactly the same time, uh, at this greater than the speed of light, it's happening simultaneously. In other words, time and distance don't matter when we're yeah. talking about quantum entanglement. And to me, when something like that, you're, you're talking about faster than the speed of light. I'm just wondering, is that how prayer works? You know, I actually speculate on that. Now, now I'm going to tell your audience. Now I'm speculating, but it's what I call biblical speculation. But I think it is. I think it's, I think it's similar to that. I think it's something like that. Because that, that, that is a demonstration. What we now know about quantum physics and quantum entanglement and, and other uh, understandings of, of, of quantum science, what we now know is illustrative, even if metaphor, just metaphorically, but I think it's more than that. I think it's a, 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 almost a physical illustration of this whole understanding of prayer. This whole understanding of God communicating his soul to our soul. Look, we, if we can invent a cell phone, I mean, think of what a cell phone does. I'm, I'm just going to simplify it, oversimplify it, but a little black box, I speak into it. It turns my voice into digital zeros and ones, if you will, turns it into a digital uh, communication. It, it shoots it off into space. It, it connects with an antenna. It bounces it out. It looks for the phone that I've dialed a digital number to find that code. It finds 
finds that black box on the other side of the the continent, let's say, and it transforms that digital voice into my regular voice, and it does it instantaneously if you have a good connection. <laughs> but but it but it does it, and and and. We don't question that. We use it every day. We think, ah, my cell phone's not working. Can you hear me now? Man, I wish this cell phone. But, but we depend upon it. We'd, well, if we, with all of our limitation in this goldfish bowl, can come up with a communication device like that, why cannot the creator of the universe who created us in his image have implanted within us a communication device called the soul? that he can connect to across dimensional divides, across the worlds and the universes and the galaxies, however he needs to do it, throughout the various multiverses, that he can just simply speak to our soul and we can speak back to him and know that we have communicated with our creator. Of course we can. Quantum physics indicates that that is highly possible, that that's a good explanation for how that whole thing works. There's just one example. A little speculative on my part, but as I say, I think pretty biblically speculative. Prayer as quantum communication. We'll take a time out. We'll open up the phone lines this coming hour, and uh, we'll also talk about the Large Hadron Collider. What does that have to do with the Bible? Back with more of my conversation with Carl Gallops right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. <laughs> 